Welcome to Musing the Mysteries, a podcast by Barney Wiggett. Let's go, let's go. Okay, well, welcome back. A couple of podcasts ago, I gave a kitchen table talk on the topic of simplicity. In fact, I've given a couple. And then I've talked about the different aspects of simplicity, a life of simplicity, Uh, two particular character aspects, sincerity and spontaneity, how those are kind of symptoms of a simple life. Now, today I want to talk about uh, simplicity and stuff, you know, possessions, money, stuff. And I'm aware that this isn't particularly fashionable these days to talk about this, especially in some Christian circles. I mean, somehow, at least in the circles I've been in, we've kind of overlooked this major theme of Scripture about our relationship to stuff. And so many supposed followers of Jesus have, you know, gone the opposite way and in the name of God pursued more and more stuff where more is kind of a, you know, four-letter word. And there's this, in our culture in in general, a passion to possess stuff, to accumulate, to uh, a lust for affluence, compulsive extravagance. Somebody said, you know, it's wrong when our net worth determines our self-worth. And then somebody else, my only problem is that my net income doesn't support my gross lifestyle. And uh, since losing a lot of the stuff that I used to have and moving to San Francisco, I've met just a number of people in my work with the poor and in uh, homeless people, as well as people that work with the homeless, who live lives of generosity and simplicity that make my, my life seem... I don't know, not so simple. And some of these people are intelligent, university-educated people who have chosen the life they live in order to be generous with the marginalized and not take or use up more than their God-intended portion in this this world And, and to live with a freedom from excess. And not everybody's called to, to such radical contentment, if so to speak. Uh, and I know people that have, you know, intentionally live at the poverty level or, or less so that they can live incarnationally among the poor. But the fact is we all stand to learn from people like these friends of mine. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about where did this all, where did all this stuff come from? Uh, secondly, whose stuff is it and what am I supposed to do with it? And then I'm going to give you some suggested simplifiers. And all of this, all of these passages and the outline and many of these quotes that I, I share are on my blog, musingthemysteries.wordpress.com. So, where did all this stuff come from? Um, That's what you say when you, you know, you clean out your garage every three years and 
can't even remember buying most of the stuff that you uncover, let alone the storing it in the among all the other stuff stuffed in every nook and corner. I mean, it's kind of like sometimes it's like uncovering artifacts in an archaeological dig. Uh, we have so much stuff buried under other stuff, you know. And uh, cluttering, you know, our lives with stuff is always going to be easier than decluttering, right? I mean, because there's this inexorable entropy that sets uh, is set against decluttering. And I've said a couple of times uh, in this series on simplicity that <clears throat> simple doesn't mean easy. Simpler is harder because it goes against the grain of an unsimple culture. So if we go right to the beginning of the Bible, when we're talking about where did all this stuff come from, in Genesis 1.31, it says, God saw all that he made and it was very good. So the creator, you know, from the beginning had given them everything they needed in that garden. The only thing in paradise that was lacking was what? A friend for Adam. It was the only thing that God said was not good in Eden. He said, it's not good for a man to be alone. So once he made the woman, Eve, all their needs were met. But then the snake slithered into the garden, suggesting that the maker, you know, he was holding out on them. And ever since then, we've lived like we're deprived, regardless of how much stuff we have. It's, it's the lie of scarcity. I mean, it became <clears throat> our perception of reality. And since then, we've lived with discontent. Somebody said that the key to simplicity is to keep your wanting low. I, I think about the Daniel chapter 5 story about Belshazzar, and it says in verse 1 that King Belshazzar made a great feast for a thousand of his lords and drank wine in front of the thousand. Now, that's a sizable party, if I'm any judge of the size of parties. So, the serpent taught us to treat our discontent, to, to try to alleviate our discontent with what? Stuff. And, and stuff that did or did not necessarily come from God. Because in our culture, we're talking about excessive possessing, and, and some people call it comfort shopping, and, and there's this consumerism gerbil wheel that we're on, and we don't seem to be able to get off of it. I like uh, Jerry Seinfeld's shtick on this. He says, he goes, <clears throat> buying clothes is always tricky. But when there's loud music playing, it, it, it really throws off your judgment. You look at the stuff like, hey, if there was a cool party and I was a cool guy, this might be a cool shirt. You get home, there's no music, there's no party, and you're not a cool guy. You're the same chump, 75 bucks lighter. They did a survey of teenage girls in the U.S. and discovered that 93% of them identified store hopping as their favorite activity. I saw a bumper sticker the other day. It says, I have a black belt in shopping. And then another that said, I shop, therefore I am. 
In contrast to that, you know, we got 1 Timothy chapter 6. Let me read it. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into, listen to this list. They fall in, the people that want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money, you know this verse, for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and and pierced themselves with many griefs. So the question is, is money the problem? Well, obviously not. It's the love of money. It's loving it. It's wanting it. It's eager for it, it says in this passage. It's not that it's wrong with having things. It's the undisciplined craving for them, the idolatrous desire for things. It's, it's, uh, it's our lust to, commun- uh, to accumulate. Besides our own lust to, to accumulate, the problem is we get no help from the world we live in, yeah? It's not just our inside lust, but it's, there's an outside uh, constant temptation to deal with. And notice the consequences that he, he mentions in 1 Timothy 6 to falling into that temptation. He says it's a temptation, it's a trap. It's of foolish and harmful desires, ruin and destruction, he talks about, wandering from the faith and pierced through with many ruinous desires. But, you know, what's the alternative? Well, it's contentment. He talks about contentment. It's an attitude of gratitude in whatever our circumstances. What began as an aberration became the norm. And, you know, after generation after generation of deception, it turned into a worldview. So our modern worldview is to us as, I don't know, water is to a fish. It's all around us. And it defines all that we do and see. Uh, the, The culture that we're swimming in is a culture of excess. And it reflects our collective sense of discontent. So we're swimming in and against the current of a decidedly unsimple culture. It's like egging entropy to a fight. I mean, it just, it just seems like unwinnable. You know, give, let me give you an example. We didn't notice it, but since the 1950s, the average size of an American home has nearly tripled. So the houses have tripled while the family size has decreased by 30%. In other words, we've got tons and tons of space and we expect that we need all that space because we bought the lie that bigger is always better in our culture. And besides the fact that we think stuff will make us happy, we cling to these possessions of ours rather than sharing them with other people because we're anxious about tomorrow. We're worried about tomorrow. I might not have it, you know. And so our luxuries become necessities. A friend of mine calls it the kingdom of thingdom. I read about a, a celebrity recently that spent $2.1 million on his own birthday party. 
Talk about compensating for something lacking in his soul, which is where outlandish possessing begins uh, in the soul. You know, excessive possessing is starts in the same place that simplicity starts, and that's in the soul. So that's where all this stuff came from, is from God. But I'm going to wait until the next episode to talk about whose stuff this is and what am I supposed to do with it. Let's go.